The following Women's Spaces show was recorded on Monday, June 27th, 2022. The woman in your life will do what she must do to comfort you and calm you down and let you rest now. The woman in your life, she can rest so easily. She knows everything you do because the woman in your life is you. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Women's Spaces. My name is Elaine B. Holt, and I'm your host. With me at the board is my friend, my partner, and engineer, and co-producer, Ken Norton. Good morning, Ken. Good morning. Oh, I'm really excited about I'm really excited about today's show. Joining me on the phone will be Diva Marie Proto, who is Sonoma County's clerk, reporter, assessor, and register of voters. I first met Diva when she was running for office the first time, and a special congratulations as she was elected for the second term on June 7th. I mean, we really are very blessed here in Sonoma County. It seems like the voting just goes very, very uh, smoothly. Also joining me in the studio will be uh, Jill Planman and Cindy Fenton, who are going to talk to us about uh, Pollinator Week, which took place from June 20th through June 26th. That was last week. Uh, They are both members of the Windsor Garden Club and active in the Community Garden Project, which they will tell us all about. I'm really looking forward to that. And uh, like I said, both of these women are members of the Windsor Garden Club and active in the Community Garden Project, which they will tell us all about. It's really, really interesting when you start thinking about pollination and all the other things that go on in nature. You know, we live on this mysterious planet, and 80% of us don't even know what's going on. I know I didn't even know there was such a thing as Pollinator Week. And then all of a sudden, to get educated to see how important, how important pollination is, and, and also what really inspired me to uh, have these two women on the show was when I was talking to Jill. She was reminding me, she says, remember when you used to go on these trips, all of a sudden the bugs would start hitting your your windows, you know, your window pane on your car and you had to put the windshield wiper off. Oftentimes it got so thick that you had to get, you had to stop the car and actually wipe them off. I mean, I remember going to Las Vegas and that happening. And Jill was telling me that doesn't happen anymore. And I became very, very concerned and I thought that it's very very important important that these women come into the station and talk about that well this is the last Monday of the month it's really hard to believe that June has gone by so fast we're coming up to July 4th already next week and I'm very very excited to announce you know with all this abortion stuff going on I finally looked at myself and I said you know you really don't know much about Roe versus Wade exactly what it covers and exactly what we're losing. So next week, I'm honored to have Dr. Harriet Fraud, who's a psychoanalyst and one of the founders of the women's movement in the 70s. And she's going to talk about what Roe versus Wade is all about. And also, because this is the last Monday of the month, we're going to do the Women's Spaces Pledge. And it's so important right now that women have the confidence to stand up and be heard and say enough is enough. Get out of our bodies. You know, I want to I read something that I find is very, very very interesting that really was uh, was kind of stunning to me when I start thinking about it. 
you know, this whole abortion area, you know, I, I found this thing written, uh, a woman by the name of Layla Cohen put on, on the Facebook. If it was about babies, we'd have excellent and free universal maternal care. You wouldn't be charged a cent to give birth, no matter how complicated your delivery was. If it was about babies, we'd have months and months of parental leave for everyone. If it was about babies, we'd have free uh, lastation consul consultants, free diapers, free formulas. If it was about babies, we'd have free and excellent child care from newborns on. If it was about babies, we'd have universal preschool and pre-K and guaranteed after-school placements. And above all, we'd have a, a period of time, at least uh, where parents have a leave where they can take care of their children when they're first born. I mean, that's not even happening. I mean, it's just, it, it, it's, it, it just doesn't make sense to me anymore. It really doesn't. I, I, I can't figure it out. You know, there's so much concern for the unborn. What about the children that are walking around that don't have Medicare? The homeless children. We have, we have about 3,000 homeless children right here in Sonoma County. These are children that are born. What about them? What's happening with them? And what about our school systems? You know, crowded classrooms. And what about our medical system? I mean, it, it just doesn't make sense to me. I mean, we're so concerned about the new, the unborn. You know, what about when the child gets here? And also, it's so important that we have choice. There's nothing worse than an unwanted child. You know, I'm going to tell you a secret about myself that I very, very rarely talk about. My mother got pregnant on her honeymoon. She was very, very disappointed. I carried that disappointment in my heart all my life. I mean, it's like I never felt like I belonged. I felt like I hurt her. And one day my mother talked to me and she said, you know, Elaine, I really love you. She says, but you know, with this whole abortion thing, she says, I wonder what I would have done. And I looked at her and I says, Mom, you probably would have aborted me. And I'm not saying I'm not happy that I'm here. I'm not saying that I'm not happy that she didn't do it. I mean, don't get me wrong. But the idea is I was, in a many levels, an unwanted child. And then I had an aunt. I had an aunt who had three children, and her husband had a nervous breakdown, and boom, she's pregnant. She cannot handle that. She can't handle that pregnancy. So what do we do? We find a backdoor abortion. My aunt comes home. It was with actually a coat hanger they put up her, the pop it, whatever they do, come home to abort. And all of a sudden, my aunt starts bleeding. There was blood all over the, all over the walls in the bedroom. My mother and I did not know what to do. We called the emergency room, and the first thing out of the nurse's mouth, well, it sounds like an abortion, and if she comes in, we're going to try to save the baby, and we're looking at each other. What? But fortunately, my aunt did abort, and fortunately, we were able to get her to the hospital, and she had to have three blood transfusions. And we were lucky that we saved her. Here was a woman with three children who was, could not even fathom having another one, and this happened to her. Well, let me tell you, folks, when all of a sudden they start screaming about making abortion legal, I was one of the first people on the street to start shouting, yes, let's do it. You know, and it's really interesting because I looked up uh, with Ruth Bader Ginsburg. I've always been very impressed with what she had to say. And one of the things she said about Roe versus Wade, it was very dangerous to have the word abortion in there. She, she almost predicted that this would happen. She said it just should be about a 
personal. It just should be about privacy, what, what goes on between a woman and her doctor. It's nobody else's business. It's none of my business what you do. I have no right to make any decision over your body. And this is what Ruth Bader Ginsburg said. The decision whether or not to bear a child is central to a woman's life to her well-being and dignity. When the government controls that decision for her, she is being treated as less than a full adult human responsible for her own choices. Listen to this. She is as less than a full adult human responsible for her own choices. And you know, that choice is very important because who takes care of that baby? Who has to nurture it? Who has to, who has to breastfeed it? Who has to stay with it its whole life? You know, I have one daughter, two grandchildren, and two great-grandchildren. And I'll tell you something. My motherhood to my daughter is a lifetime commitment. And don't ever forget that. And I wanted, that was a planned child. I had no problem making that commitment because I wanted her here. She was not an accident. There's a big difference. And then all of a sudden they have the audacity to say that if a woman is raped, I mean, Lord, come on. Who's making these decisions? It doesn't sound like it's very bright people. You know, really. And, you know, there's been a lot of protests this weekend. I want to do a shout-out to everybody that came out. Thousands and thousands of women came out yelling and carrying on and crying. But, you know, ladies, that's not enough. Protesting is not enough. You have to be writing your senators, your congresspeople, and your local people. Because if they put it into the hands of the state, you better make sure that the state makes rules that, that provide the support and the information that you need. And then the last part, this is what's really confusing to me. I mean, we don't have enough people on the earth. I mean, we can't even feed half of them. There's food shortages. We've got climate change. And all of a sudden, they're going to put a restriction on contraceptives, on birth control? Give me a break. We need to cut down on our population. I really believe that there's a, a boycott against sex because I have to confess, when I, first got boy, when I first got birth control, I will never forget that. It was the first time I really enjoyed having sex with my husband. You know why? Because I didn't have to worry about getting pregnant. What a miracle that was to me. And I think, that, I think that's part of it, you know? I mean, that's really part of it. And then the last thing that really just tore me apart was, I, I can't think it was about four days ago in the Press Democrat, they had the Catholic priest here in Sonoma County come up and say, oh, thank God, now they're going to protect the unborn. Well, really? What about all the born, the pedophiles in your own church? You know, how are you protecting them and you're worried about the unborn? Come on, give me a break. It's time we start thinking logically. And women, we have to stand up. But you know, standing up takes a lot of self-esteem. It takes a lot of courage. You know, I know every time when I give a presentation or even when I do the radio show, I say, God, are people going to like it? Are they going to like me? And I have to remind myself. My self-esteem doesn't depend on anything outside of me. So here it is, the last Monday of the month. So we're going to do the pledge. And I have, it's so exciting to have one, two, three, four people in the studio. You know, it was a lonely, lonely gig here in the studio all these months during the pandemic. And I'm really grateful that I have people in the studio with me. So we're going to do the pledge now. And, you know, the pledge, you know, I know it's kind of hokey. 
you know, when you think about it, you know, it's kind of, what is she trying to say? But it is not hokey. It is important that we recognize this very simple concept, especially women. We have been taught to shut up. It goes all the way back to when Paul wrote the letters and said that women have to be silent in the church. In other words, no, don't, we, won't, we don't want to peep out of the goddess. We don't want to hear from them. You know, but that's not good today. That's not, that's not the rule that we have to live under. So ladies, let's, you'll join me with the pledge. I'm going to say it first, and then if you just say it after me. And, and this is the, what we do at the end of every month, the last Monday of the month here on Women's Spaces. So are you open to doing that with me? Sure. Okay, so I'm going to say the first line. And hey, anybody out there that's driving, don't close your eyes. You know, just be aware. We're just doing the pledge. You folks at home, maybe find a comfortable chair and sit back and just absorb what this says. And don't be afraid to speak out. Okay, let's go. This is the Women's Spaces Pledge that we do the last Monday of every month. My self-esteem self does not depend, does not depend on anything, on anything. On anything. Outside of me. Outside, Outside of me. me. My self-esteem. My self-esteem. Self depends. 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 On, my relationship, on my relationship. On my relationship. With myself. With myself. And my higher power. And my, and my higher, higher power. power. Oh, that just gives me the goosebumps. You know, I say it five times before I do the show. My self-esteem does not depend on anything outside of me. That means when you're speaking out, it doesn't matter what that person thinks to you. It's what you think of yourself. Your self-esteem depends on your relationship with yourself and your higher power. So, so important. So I'm going to say it one more time and just, just absorb it. Just listen to the words. My self-esteem does not depend on anything outside of me. My self-esteem depends on my relationship with myself and my higher power. And sometimes I say myself and the great spirit Sometimes I say myself and God. There's all kinds of ways, whatever your orientation is, whatever you believe, wherever you get your spiritual comfort, that's what you include in that last line. And also, just to remind you that if you go on www.womenspaces, there's a big copy of the, uh, the uh, self-esteem pledge. All you have to do is copy it and then go into Word and, and paste it, and you have your own copy. Or you can email me at elaine at womenspaces.com, and I'm very, very happy to send you a card. Well, one last thing for this segment before we get uh, our voter registrar on. I just love her. I'm just so excited about hearing about the election and hearing about some of the ins and outs. I'm going to remind you our history is our strength, and today is a very special day. Happy birthday, June 27th. She was born 1880 and made her transition in 1968 was Helen Keller. Helen Keller is one of my heroes. She really is. When I think of the obstacles that she had to go through to be able to read, to be able to write, to be able to communicate with people, I mean, the, she had a disease when she was very young, and she lost her sight and her hearing. And, I mean, I, I can't imagine going through life like that, and yet she was a very accomplished woman. Well, today is Helen Keller Day. She was born on June 27th, and it celebrates life and the achievements of this, of this woman. 
Uh, she was an American author, a political activist, and a lecturer. She was the first deaf-blind person to earn a Bachelor of Arts degree. The story of how Keller, uh, Keller's teacher, Ann Sullivan, broke through the isolation imposed by a near-complete lack, uh, lack of language, allowing the girl to bloom as she learned to communicate, has become widely known through the dramatic... Uh, play of the play A Miracle Worker. I remember when I saw The Miracle Worker and I thought, oh my God, I could not believe this, that, that a, a young girl had to go through that. You know, Helen Keller Day uh, was first, uh, this holiday was uh, uh, an observance, was first uh, created by a presidential uh, proclamation in 2006 and is well known across the board, across the world as Helen Keller Day, that they celebrate her birthday because she has done so, she would made so many contributions, particularly to those of us who have that disability of being both deaf and blind. But yet her accomplishment, you know, when I get down or I feel like, oh, I can't do it or it's too difficult or, oh, God, why am I here and all that other stuff that we go through in our mind, I think of people like Helen Keller, you know, what she went through, the challenges she faced, and I say to myself, you know, you have your sight, you have your ears. You know, then I think of Ida B. Wells, you know, going into the South and, and reporting on, on, on young black men and women being lynched. And I think of the courage it took. And when I think of these women, it gives me strength. That's why I say over and over, our history is our strength. And, you know, I was telling the ladies before, uh, before we went on the air, you know, when I went to Sonoma State, I arrived in 1970. We did not have women's history. You know, I was walking down the hall with Molly McGregor one day, and she was telling me about women on art. And I scratched my head. I said, there are women artists? You know, I mean, that's how ignorant we were. But thank goodness there were people like Molly McGregor. Well, we're going to take a musical break now, and then we're going to get, we're going to have to dial, oh, i got to go over here and dial her number, Ken. And I'm going to play a very important song. It's written by a woman by the name of Sandy Rapp. It's called Remember Rose, and it's all about abortion. It's all about what happened in this young woman who died because she went and had a backdoor abortion. The old coat hanger, you know, I mean, that's why you see all these coat hangers. And you know something, that was a real, that, that was really the way we did it. You know, and what a blessing it was when it changed, when Roe versus Wade came, and we had the right to choose, we had the right to our bodies. And men want to take that away from us? Uh-uh. And not only that, I can't believe it. We have people on the Supreme Court, the highest level of our country, the thing that we depend on more than anything, that made promises that they would not touch this under oath. And they did not do what they promised. Amazing. So let's go ahead and play Remember Rose. And when we come back, we'll be talking to Marie, uh, Diva Marie Proto, our Register of Voters here in Sonoma County. Rosie Jimenez Finally turned up dead So the paper said In Texas Finally turned up dead After Medicaid Restrictions took her choice away Televangelists And the politics 
made Jenny Jimenez an orphan Praying in the light, bombing in the night They wave their roses red but Rose is dead Get your laws off me, I'm not your property Don't plan my family, I'll plan my own I don't want to be in your theocracy Remember liberty, remember Rose Many more will go by the way of Rose And the ones that went before her Unless a course is set, present and direct Because the chill wind blows and Rose is dead Get your laws off me, I'm not your property don't plan my family, I plan my own I don't want to be in your theocracy Remember liberty, remember Rose Many more will go Many more will go By the way Many more will go. Remember Rose. I mean, it's uh, it's the song, you know, I I couldn't play the whole thing this morning, but the song is on Women's Spaces, www.womenspaces.com. For you folks just joining in, I want to remind my listeners the opinions expressed here are not necessarily the opinions of the station, its board of directors, its members, and Women's Spaces. Well, welcome back. You're listening to Women's Spaces, and I'm your host, Elaine B. Holt, and without... Without further ado, I want to introduce our special guest. Joining me on the phone is one of my favorite people, Diva Marie Proto, who's Sonoma County's clerk, uh, recorder, assessor, and register of voters. Welcome, uh, Diva. Welcome to Women's Spaces once again. Thank you for having me. Oh, and congratulations. My God, this is your second term. I am so happy. I mean, you have just done an ex- I have to use the word exquisite job. Well, so, thank you. Thank you so much, uh, and thank you so much for your willingness to be on the on the show. And before we before we begin, may I tell my folks just a little bit a little bit about you? Absolutely. Well, Maria Proto has been excuse me, Diva Marie Proto has been employed with the county since 2007 in the clerk, recorder, assessor department since 2009. She grew up in Sonoma County, has a bachelor's degree and a master's in public administration from Sonoma State University. You know, that's my alma mater also. Diva won the 2018 primary election against two opponents. Since then, she has had to deal with a flood, a fire, and a pandemic. You know, I mean, this must have been a little bit easier this year. Anyway, anything else that you would like to add, Diva? Um, No, I think you covered a lot of it. Well, I'm really happy. I'm so happy. I was so happy to put a little mark by your name. Well, let's talk about the election. You know, with all that's going on across the nation, how do you believe Sonoma County ranks? How did it go? How did this election go? I know we had we had two uh, we had a race in Petaluma that was really very touch and go, and then we also had the sheriff's race, which which took a little while before there was a concession. So, how did the election go? What would your overall assessment be? 
I think it went pretty well. Um, we definitely had some close races, so I think there was definitely a lot of interest in our updates as we went along through our Canvas period, a little more so than normal because there was uh, all the close races. We also had a judge race that was very close. So there were a lot of people who were very interested in those results. Uh, but on the whole, things went very smoothly, I think. we had This was the first time we had our 11-day vote centers open, and uh, we did get good feedback on those, um, and people enjoyed being able to vote in person wherever was most convenient for them. Well, you know, it, it, it's really interesting. I always find, you know, my, for myself, I think I would really encourage everybody at least one time in their lifetime to work the polls because you really get you really get an education about that. You know, you really find out what it takes to, you know, to get the vote to you so it can be counted. So it was it was an amazing experience for me. Well, you know, we had some of the challenges. I know, uh, have they called the races yet? I, I haven't I haven't noticed. I was thinking about pedal. And I was thinking also about the uh, sheriff. Did they concede or what what happened with that? Yes, we certified the results. So uh, the sheriff is not going to a runoff. Uh, Eddie Ingram um, won just a little bit more than the 50% threshold that he needed to avoid a runoff. And then um, David Rabbit won re-election in the 2nd District. And then who, who was the judge race that they were having an issue with? Um, there was uh, Joseph Pasalacqua and Oscar Pardo were both uh, right around the 50% mark um, as we were moving through uh, our canvas. So it wound up, uh, Oscar Pardo wound up uh, winning that race with uh, 53% of the vote. Oh, so that's been certified also. Yes. How, how does that affect you when you have these kinds of runoffs? How does how is that handled? I mean, when when you're doing votes, when all of a sudden people are not conceding, how what is your what is your attitude towards that? I mean, how do you handle that as a voter registrar? Um, well, that's actually, um, I mean, something we encourage is we're not finished until we certify, and so especially with um, the increase in vote by mails and people waiting until the last minute to get those in. We only had, um, you know, 18% turnout that was posted on election night, and we got up to a 45% turnout. Oh. So we actually had more votes that were posted after the election. So these days, calling the election based on the election night results doesn't really work as well as it used to. And it's been that way for quite a while, but with uh, races getting closer, it seems, a- across the state, really, we're seeing this, um, people are realizing that y- you do need to wait for us to do all our processes and do our reconciliations and make sure that we've counted all the ballots before we know the answer. Well, I'm really proud of Sonoma County, 45%. I mean, we should be 99%, but <laughs> 45% is good. You know, just, just a, an off-the-wall question to you. Do you think it would be beneficial if we had a national voting day, like maybe, you know, George Washington's birthday turns into a voting day or something like that, where and people can take off of work? Do you think we would have more more people, or do you think it's lack of education that people don't understand the value of, of, uh, of uh, mailing and voting? You know, I'm not sure if making it a holiday would drive more turnout. Um, we did have um, one of our 
in-person voting days um, this year was actually Memorial Day. So we did have seven locations that were open on Memorial Day as well as that weekend and then the subsequent week. And, you know, we just don't see a lot of people. If they have the day off, they want to go do something. Um, And it is really hard to get uh, poll workers if it's a holiday because they wouldn't want to work necessarily. (laughs) Um, but I, I think it's more education and people uh, feeling connected. Um, gubernatorial primaries, so like we just had, it's one of our lowest turnout elections um, of the of the four major elections. And the presidential general election is always the highest, but um, this one is our our least traditionally turnout. Well, that's really that's really good information, you know, and also just for people listening, encourage your friends. I mean, it's so simple to do, you know, what we did this year. I mean, Ken and I just sit around the kitchen table and we just talk to each other and we decide who we're going to vote. And then we go to the register and just drop it off. And it's just not it's not even a problem. I mean, you don't have to wait in line. It's right in your own home and you have all the wonderful information. So so thank you for sharing that. And, you know, we're coming up to an election coming up uh, November. Oh, my God. I can't believe another election this year. Any changes or anything special that you would like to tell people that are listening about the election in November? Any kind of encouragement you'd like to give? Uh, We will still have um, our in-person voting locations. So we're working on securing those right now and confirming those. But we will have seven locations that are open for 11 days before the election. So you can go to any one of those. And then starting the weekend before the election, we'll have 31 locations across the county that you can go vote in person. You're not assigned to anyone, so it can be the most convenient one um, to your work or your home or hanging out with friends. And so we hope people take advantage of those. And then, of course, we'll be mailing everybody a ballot uh, pursuant to state law like we did in the June election. Do you know, I didn't know that. I didn't know that. It's a state law now that everybody has to get a mail-in ballot? Yes. Oh, my God, there's no excuse for not voting. (laughs) There really isn't. I mean, when you think about it, I mean, you could vote at 3 o'clock in the morning. (laughs) You could take your voter to to work while you're at your desk. I mean, there's so many different ways. Well, we've come, my friend, and thank you so much again, Viva. You are just such a delight, and it's so inspiring to talk to you and such a comfort to know that you're you're in charge of all of this very important exercise that we do as Americans. So any last words, and also give our website, if people want to know more about the elections, more about, you know, being a poll worker or any, any, anything that you would like to share. Absolutely. Our website is socovotes.org, and that will take you to our website. You can see information about being a poll worker. Um, you can fill out um, applications for that if you'd like. We also have timelines for the November election. So if anybody is interested in running for a local office at all, there's information about when that filing period is and where that would be. Well, thank you so much. And I want to wish you much, much success. How long is your, your term? Is this two or four years? It's four years. Well, I want to wish you much, much success. And always, you know, if ever you need an announcement made or anything, you can always contact me, and I'm always happy to do it. So thank you so much for being on Women's Bases. Thank you for having me. Well, folks. Have a lovely day. Yes, thank you so much.
Diva. Well, we just had our wonderful, wonderful register of voters. Uh, I, I, you know, I like to call her the chair. <laughs> Diva Marie Proto, she's just wonderful. And thank you so much for making voting so easy here in Sonoma County and actually pleasant. I mean, with all the locations they have and all the different things they have. And you have the website if you know anybody that wants to run. All that paperwork and all that information is on their site. And like I say at every program... All the information that's been given here on Women's Spaces, you could find at www.womenspaces.com. Well, it's that time again. We're going to take a musical break. And I love this song that we're going to play. You know, we're going to be playing a song by one of my favorite people. We're going to be talking about, you know, about uh, pollinators and about gardens and about all the wonderful things that we can do to help enhance the beauty of our earth. And one of my favorite singers, of course, who else but Earth Mama. And we're going to hear the song, What on Earth? And when we return, I will be talking with Jill Planman and Cindy Fenton about Pollinators Week, which happened June 20 to 26, which was last week, and the importance of pollinators and some activities folks can do to help them. So let's go ahead, Ken, let's play that song. Okay. What on earth are we doing for tomorrow to 
know, what are what are we doing today for tomorrow? You know, I don't know why it brings me always remembers about the, you know, all the different publications that came out about uh you know, climate change, you know, Silent Spring by Rachel Carson. I'll never forget when I read that and all of a sudden I realized, oh, my God, here I had a child. I was so worried about the about the food that she was eating. And I remember when I moved up to Sonoma State, it was so wonderful, the community market. You know, there was a group of, oh, lesbian women that were there and they were training us on uh, organic food. I thought organic food. I mean, I mean, here I just read Rachel Carson, and now these wonderful women were telling me about all these different ways I could feed my child, and it was just such an eye opener. And I hope the same thing happens today. Well, welcome back. Uh, you're listening to Women's Spaces, and I'm your host Elaine B. Holt. And joining me in the studio are two environmental enthusiasts, Jill Plamen and Ken- Cindy Fenton. Welcome, welcome, ladies. Welcome to Women's Spaces. Thank oh, you. we're happy to be here. Yes, let's hear your voice. Say hi, uh, Jill. Hi, Jill. Hi, Jill. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Hi, everybody. Yes, it's good. Just so, so they can identify your yeah. voice a little bit. Okay. Is it okay, ladies, before we begin, if I just tell our listeners just a little bit about you? Okay. Sure. Okay, let's start with you, Jill. Jill Plamen owned and operated the Hammerfryer Gallery. Did I pronounce that right? Hammerfryer. Hammerfryer Gallery in Hillsburg for 13 years, retiring four years ago, and turned towards her passion of gardening and concern for the planet's environment. She has a BA from the San Francisco Art Institute. Throughout her life, she's been an avid gardener and environmentalist. In 1979 to 1988, she had a 38-acre wooded passive solar home in northern Wisconsin while she created a fourth of an acre garden which provided both her husband and her with imagine this 75% of their food this was during the back to land movement boy I remember that one Uh, after reading uh, what really inspired her was she read the book Nature's Best Hope by Doug Talmery and she became extremely inspired to create a pollinator garden in Windsor what a wonderful goal. Thank you, Jill. And then let's listen a little, little bit about Cindy Fenton. Uh, Cindy Fenton is a native of Minot, North Dakota, North Dakota, and moved to Lompoc, California in 1960, where, where nature lived outside their back door and getting dirty was not discouraged. She moved to Santa Rosa, California in 1978, where she attended uh, Santa Rosa JC and Sonoma State University, where she earned a degree in kinesiology, got married in 1983, and is proud mother of four children. And through her, after she got married, decided that she was going to just study and raise her children and really got involved uh, with gardening. And a little bit of uh, gossip about her. While she attended SSU, she was captain of the Sonoma State uh, women's volleyball uh, team that took third place in the nation in Division Three. Well, go Cindy. That was amazing. She is a member of the Windsor Garden Club since 2009 and active in the Community Garden Project. In 2020, she began the 100 Monarch Way Station Project. Wow, 100. What, what was that? Cindy, what was the 100 Monarch Way Station project? Let's oh, it's still going. We, um, um, I thought, what can I do for nature? I read a Doug Tallamy book called Bringing Nature Home, and I thought, oh, my gosh, I need to do something. And one thing I can do, I'm, I'm pretty good at propagation, planting seeds and growing things. So I said, I can grow milkweed. 
And so we grow milkweed, and that's how I met Jill. She came over to help propagate milkweed just this last year, and uh, we distribute milkweed so that the butterflies can lay eggs and the caterpillars can eat food, and we encourage people to plant waste stations so the monarchs can survive. Do you, do you see that? Do you see more? Do you see more of them since you've been doing this? You see it's yes. having some impact. I have monarchs in my yard now, and I've seen them laying eggs and. Milkweed that we gave to, you know, three years ago, um, the woman on Gumview is seeing them. And it's rare that we see them this early, you know, lately. It used to be we saw them pretty early, but, yeah, it's good. Well, you know, there's, there's two aspects of all of this. You know, you have government that you depend on doing certain things, but then you also have we the people. And if each one of us just did this little thing, just one little thing, it would be amazing. And, and just to have the consciousness of it. Well, thank you for sharing that. Is there anything you'd like to add that I talked about your bio, anything that you think is important, or did we kind of cover it all? Well, that sounds like enough. <laughs> you know, it's interesting, you know, folks, I have people send me five questions so I get an idea of what, what they're interested in, what their passion is about, and then I work around it, but also their bios. And I always rewrite the bios, so I'm always wondering, did I do a good job? Did I keep everything in there? Well, let, let's start out. You know, I realized last week, you know, when I, I met Jill at, a, at an art exhibit, and all of a sudden she started telling me all this stuff about Pollinator Week. In fact, the first way I said it when I first said, oh, they have a pollution week? She says, no, Pollinator <laughs> Week. I said, well, I tend to get things wrong sometimes. But it was really fascinating to me. And then I did some I did some uh, history on it, and I found that they have a learning center. They have a Be Smart school kit. They have all kinds of recommendations on what you you can do to help the pollinators and you know uh, ken and i we're beekeepers and we have and there's nothing like having friends called bees i mean it's just amazing just watching them humming around and doing their doing their work and then getting their honey oh nothing like your own honey would you agree <laughs> oh my goodness it's great so let's let's talk about pollinator a week you know why do you believe this was important about this weekend and how do you think people can get involved how about you start jill well i think pollinator week is really important because it it's it's important because it introduces uh, the concept of pollinators to people um, who might not be aware. I'm, I've been surprised that people don't even know what a pollinator is. Well, give us an example. Uh, well, um, an example uh, would be, well, let's see. Um, well, examples would be uh, birds, bees, butterflies. Um, our native insects are so important. And um, pollinators hop from plant to plant, whether they're birds or bees or insects, and uh, they bring pollen in and they uh, fertilize the food that we eat. They also fertilize the food that they eat. Um, the, and, and pollinators also are important because they are, many of them are insects themselves. Um, uh, some juicy caterpillars, for example, are extremely important for birds. Um, to it's very sad if we have less caterpillars, which we do now, then the mother birds run around looking for the big, fat, juicy, uh, healthy caterpillars to feed their baby birds. And they go home empty, and oftentimes the baby birds don't make it, so we have a huge bird decline. So we need pollinators for the health of our planet and you know, all living things. 
you know, we don't think of it, you know, we just, we just don't think about those things, you know, we take everything for granted, mm -hmm. you know, I, I was thinking even, you know, even the abortion rights, you know, when you think about, we took that for granted, and all of a sudden, you know, before you know it, it slips away from us, and here mm -hmm. to take the earth for granted, all of a sudden our insects are dying, you know, then we're going to die, I mean, you know, yep. the human race is going to become instinct. Mm -hmm. Well, would you like to add anything about pollinator mm -hmm. weekend? Well, i just like to say that, um, that pollinators are the basis of the food web. There's what support us all. And they've been doing all this work for years and years and years, thousands of years, and we've been relying on that. And if that collapses, which it looks to be from the numbers what is happening, and it, um, we're just going to be in a world of hurt. So uh, the food, nature is really all the interactions between the organisms that make the system work. And we've cut so many threads in that food web as people that we have to knit them back together. And we can do that with some simple actions and it just changing some things. Well, when you talk about simple actions, it sounds like you're talking about ways that we can help the pollinators. Yeah. Okay, so why don't you talk a little bit about that, uh, Cindy? How, how are some ways you think that we can help the pollinators? And also join in, Jill, if you see anything important. Well, uh, you know, one of the really big things is stop using pesticides. pesticides. <laughs> Insecticides and herbicides are a real problem. I was sitting in a beautiful garden yesterday, uh, having a little party with some friends in my neighborhood, and the, my friend has convinced her husband not to use anything but organic uh, controls in the garden. And they even have a little lawn that's gorgeous. And he's so proud now that he's created all this beauty and he's not harming anything. You know, they have a sump pump where they bring the water out from their shower and bath to water things that need a little extra water. It's just there's ways to do things. You don't have to have a sump pump. But I don't know, a species that puts poison in their environment and on their food is is hard to wrap your brain around but that's what we're doing but you know when you say hard to rape, uh, wrap your brain about around you know i remember i walked in i'm not going to name the store i walked in <laughs> to this one store and of course everybody knows the dangers of roundup so i'm not saying anything new and they had a sale and they had this whole display right in the front of roundup and i walked up to the the uh, manager and i said do you have children and he goes, well, yeah. I says, well, why do you have all that? Why are you selling this here if you have children? He said, what are you talking about? I said, that's poison. You know, and we had this whole discussion. Well, the next time I came into the store, it was in the back, but it was still there. You know, and I think the way we can help pollinators, what you're saying is, is that don't buy Roundup. Buy Omri products. If it says O-M-R-I, we have wonderful stores around here, even the little hardware stores. Mm -hmm. and, and other stores, they have the Omri products that have been approved to be safe in the environment. Uh, uh, you can find these products, or you can make things at home, or you can just uh, be a little more patient with your garden. And, the, all be, the and, and not be so afraid of weeds. Uh-huh, yeah, weeds can like be wonderful, don't be like afraid Like dandelions, you know, Ken, I mean, when I, when Ken and I first started going mm -hmm. together and he came over to my house for one weekend, he saw all these, he said, oh my God, you got dandelions, he's out there picking up them, and then he dried them, and he says, no, this is good for your liver, and all the different oh. things, you know, <laughs> and all of a sudden I became a dandelion, I said, oh my God, I can't kill any more dandelions, I mean, it's important. So go ahead, continue. I didn't mean to. Oh, just that it's a wonderful action, you know, uh, to, we have this piece of land where we live, 
and we can at least manage that land in a good way. There's all kinds of national organizations we can support. We can do citizen science where we help out the biologists with reporting information on what we see. But managing our own land in a way that's, that's going to make our environment great is, is a fabulous thing. And the most powerful thing we can do with our own land is to create a pollinator garden because pollinators can really thrive in a small portion of land. They're little tiny creatures. So like a monarch butterfly weighs less than a paper clip. But you know, you can do things and insects will come. You know, they have the High Line Park in Chicago. And uh, they started that because they noticed, oh my gosh, look, there's some of these native plants are coming back. So then they developed the walkway that's so popular. They're seeing amazing amounts of insects right in the middle of Chicago. Well, yeah. let's, you know, talking about, talking about doing something like that, and I know you developed, both of you were very involved in a special program in, Win in Windsor to support pollinators. Talk a bit about it, what it entails. And I know when I was talking to Jill, she said there's a planter, I believe, that's in front of the city hall or something that you've, you've developed. Talk a little bit about oh, what's oh, going on. Oh, much more than a planter. Okay, go ahead, talk, <laughs> talk about it, Jill. A little, little bit of acreage there. Um, yes, in front of the city hall, uh, close enough. There's, there's the Windsor um, Garden Club has a beautiful uh, community garden, and right next door to there, that, in fact, we share a fence line, uh, Cindy and I have created... A pollinator garden and the, I know the town of Windsor is pretty excited about it and um, there are also other pollinator gardens which especially Cindy's involved in um, around Sonoma County and in Windsor we're very proud of Windsor and uh, that garden uh, right now we uh, when Cindy and I first met uh, we took a, a, a very rough field that the town of Windsor is allowing us to use and we covered it um, with sheet mulching. Sheet mulching is where you cover every square inch with cardboard, which is free, really easy to get free cardboard. Covered every square inch of this right on top of the weedy grass, just right on top. And then um, on top of that, we carted in a lot of uh, mulch. Um, and uh, you're talking three to four to six inches of mulch, a lot of it. It wasn't hard to do. Mulch isn't very heavy. And we coated that entire field with mulch right on top. And that's all you need. You do not want to remove that field because it breaks down and creates compost. You do not want to um, cover anything in plastic. That's the worst thing you can do. You just want to keep it nice and natural. Um, ideally, you'd do this sort of thing in the fall when we hopefully have some rains, but we went ahead and started in the spring anyway. Um, and right now, the guard, and, and then, and then um, we, we have planted some Sonoma County native plants. I can't stress that enough. Our plants, just like the insects, are going away, so our, our plants are in danger, too. We planted Sonoma County nature, uh, natural plants, and by next year, our garden should be looking very pretty. Well, you know, as you talk about this, how does that make you feel? You know, like you see the insects coming back. You know, you know, Cindy, you see the the butterflies enhancing. You know, how how does that make you feel by this work? That oh, I got to tell you, going out in your garden when you're not just looking at it as, oh, well, that's pretty and that's pretty, 
you're looking at it, there's a depth to the experience of looking inside a flower and seeing, oh, there's a native bee inside my squash oh. plant that's been sleeping and now it's waking <laughs> up. Or come around the corner to get in my truck to go down to the community pollinator garden and meet Jill and see a monarch butterfly uh, nectarine on a showy milkweed bloom that I planted three years ago knowing it would take a long time mm -hmm. to develop. Now it's developing. Now I'm seeing butterflies. And now mm -hmm. I... The first time I saw one, I intellectually knew, yes, I'm going to attract monarchs. Well, when mm -hmm. I saw my first butterfly laying an egg on my narrowleaf milkweed, when it flew away, my heart went with it. <laughs> I was like, you know, Godspeed, you know? I just, it can lay 500 eggs, but it needs milkweed to lay eggs on. You know, a lot of people today, because of the way the world is going, are depressed. You know, they, they, they feel they have no purpose. They feel, you know, I, you know go plant a seed. I mean, I remember a person told me a long time ago, I said, if you feel bad, go, go plant a tomato plant. And I remember doing that, and I saw the first tomato, and I went, oh, my God, I can grow my own food. I mean, one tomato, right, already I'm a gardener. And now we have constantly have chard coming in. I mean, there's, there's so many things to it. Well, you know, time goes by real fast here, and I really want to get to this that I know is very important to you, and that was a book by Doug Tamley. You wanted to talk about that. So t let's start with you, Jill. What, what, what is it about that book that just got you say, hey, I got to do something? When I read the book, I could not put it down. I'd actually get nervous and shake. I had to read it straight through. It, um, it changed my life. What I learned from Doug's book. Uh, give uh, the title. Uh, um, Nature's Best Hope by Doug Tallamy. Highly recommend. Um, and uh, he gave the concept of if each of us took our yards, or just say our front yards, um, and planted part of that front yard into um, native plantings, um, plants that benefit pollinators, um, that if each of us did that, we could become one large national park. He, he has a goal, and it's, it gives you ask what it does to you? Oh, my gosh, it gives me hope, total hope for saving the planet. Um, because if, if we can have one long stretch of national park across the United States, it is very possible we can do that mm -hmm. by just changing our, our front yards because we can connect um, the insects. They, they, they can't just hop across town, it's nice if they can hop across the yards. Very important. You know, I mean, as you talk, I think one of the most important thing is that when we see, think about what you're talking about, an insect is not something to fear. It's something to, to, to praise and to, to, to bless and to say thank you. Well, look, at, we're going to give you the last words about this book. Uh, well, um, yeah, I love the book, too. He's written so many books, but if you go to... Uh, Home, uh, what is it? HomeNationalPark.org. Is that what it is, Jill? But anyway, WindsorGardenClub.org, our website, has all these resources. But if you go to that, he has wonderful clips. Yeah, HomeGrownNationalPark.org. Park, uh, wonderful resources uh, that will just get you, get you really going. Um, yeah, it's a tremendous book. Well, we've come to the end of the segment, and I'll tell you, you've definitely whet my appetite, you know, and I hope to have you on again because there's so much more that we can discover. So real quickly, last words, anything you'd like to say to our listeners and before we say goodbye? I would like to say, if you can possibly, sheet mulch, sheet mulch your front lawn. The Windsor Garden Club can give 
some information about that. And one more thing is it's not too late to go to the store, go to the nursery, get some zinnias, get some sunflowers, get some uh, cosmos, and put something in the ground for bees and butterflies. And come see us, and we'll give you milkweed. Remind, a reminder that all this information will be on www.womensbases.com. And thank you both. Well, that's it for our show. A special thank you to Diva Marie Proto, so Sonoma County's clerk, recorder, assessor, register of voters, and Jill Planman and Cindy Fenton, gardeners and pollinator enthusiasts, for being such great guests. A reminder, all the information given will also be on www.womensspaces.com. This is Elaine B. Holt. You've been listening to Women's Spaces. Thank you so much much for listening and I look forward to being with you the next time. The previous Women's Spaces show was recorded on Monday, June 27, 2022.